love the word suddenly, and I'm going to just preach about it today. It, it's, uh, it's an incredible word to me, and I'm preaching from the subject, suddenly, God. Say it with me, suddenly, God. Now, the word suddenly is found in Scripture 41 times in 40 verses. That's a lot. 41 times in 40 verses. The word suddenly in your dictionary means quickly and unexpectedly. And I just, I just cut right to the chase. That's how I believe God's going to move in your life. Quickly and unexpectedly. Now, out of the 40 verses which it is mentioned 41 times, seven times the word suddenly directly refers to the activity of God. In other words, there were, there's lots of instances of God answering prayers, but those were expected. There's lots of instances of people praying and believing God for something, and then it comes, and that, that was expected. But there's at least seven times where with no expectation and without warning, God suddenly begins to move in the lives of his people. And I believe we are standing on the precipice of suddenly moves of God. And so what we're going to do is, I told you seven times it refers, the word refers directly to divine activity. So we're going to look at all seven of those in the scripture, and I promise I'm going to go fast. And so if you'll uh, respond fast and receive fast, I can preach fast, and we'll have a great day, and then go get something to eat. Amen? All right. All right. Suddenly, God. Seven times God moves suddenly. Number one, this is going to be a rough one, but we'll get through it real fast. Sudden destruction or suddenly destruction. If you'll look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, 1 through 5, Scripture, I love this Scripture as, as challenging as it may be to understand. Uh, it's a very fatherly Scripture. The character of God as a father who warns and instructs is seen in this scripture. Look down, Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, look down at verse 5. He says, all right, 1 through 5, I'm sorry. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess, and he casts out many nations before you, in other words, the enemies that were occupying the land that God gave them, and then God names the enemies, the Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them, utterly destroy them, make no covenant with them, show no mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter their son, nor take their daughter for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. <clears throat> now, sounds kind of harsh. But God was saying all of these ites, you know, Girgashites, Perizzites, Hittites, Hivites, all of the ites represented evil systems of this fallen world, demonic spirits that were influencing cultures behaviors of people, perspectives of people. And God was saying to his own people, I did not bring you out of the bondage of Egypt, lead you through the wilderness and bring you to a promised land 
just so you will get the land I gave you and then make covenants or marriages or partnerships with everything that is against what I stand for. So he said, you either destroy those things. You, you either destroy those negative partnerships you form with unholy systems and cultures of this world, or you will be destroyed by them suddenly. Okay. And this is a word of warning. This is a word of love because true love from a father isn't just revealed in hugs and in provision. Sometimes true love is revealed through discipline. Ah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there's, and there's some things to be said contextualizing this word to our culture today because we have been loved by God. We have been saved by God's grace. We have been blessed by God's goodness. And now that we stand in a place of revelation and knowledge, and now that we know better, we are still tempted by the ites of this world, the evil systems of this world, the evil social orders of this world. And these, these orders, they, they invite us to make partnerships with them. Okay. And there is a sudden destruction that comes on a child of God when they know better, they have learned better, they've been taught better, they understand better, and yet they still partner with something and call something right that God has called wrong. Yeah, go ahead, Jason. <clears throat> call something good that God has called evil. Now, now we got we to get into this a little bit because let me, let me help you understand something. There's a difference in playing with it and partnering with it. Oh, man, it's early to be preaching already. Listen, listen, listen. Paul said we have all had our conversation, our interaction with the lust of the flesh and the evil desires of the mind. In other words, Paul was saying we've all sinned. He said those exact words in Romans, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Paul is saying we've all played with evil. There ain't a person in here that hadn't played with some kind of evil. That's just sin. But there's a difference in playing with it and partnering with it, making a covenant with it, calling it right, calling it good, trying to change the word of God and say God didn't really mean that that was evil. That those, those Bible verses are antiquated. Those are old times. That don't really, that don't really mean it. That there's a difference in playing with it and, and partnering with it. David played with sin. It got him in trouble. But see, sin's never been a problem for God. God has made a propitiation. God has made a way for sinners to be forgiven. Sin's never been a problem for God. The problem is when you get rebellious and you start to partner with your sin and you start to brand your sin over your life, or let me use this word, you start to identify with your sin and and you try to take the truth of God and turn it into a lie that will bring sudden destruction on your life there there are people uh, in in this world 
it's not enough for them to sin and violate the commandments of God. They want to sin and violate the commandments of God and then turn around and shake their fist in the face of God and tell him that his truth is a lie. This is what we must not partner with. This is what we must not align with. And there's many examples I'll give a few. God created a man. It's all right. I ain't scared. I'll be here next Sunday. I said God created a man and a woman. And that's it. The human race is comprised of a male and a female. God created male and female. Genesis says, male and female created he them. Genesis says, male and female created he them. Genesis says, male and female created he them. Now, I'm not saying, I ain't saying that some people aren't born with problems. I'm not saying some people aren't born deformed in some kind of way. I'm not saying that some people aren't born with a specific mental uh, propensity to become highly confused. But your confusion does not change God's word. And you in your life every day are being pressured to conform and partner with things that violate God's original intention. He's not saying that the sin will bring sudden destruction. He's saying the partnership, the covenant, marrying to that idea, joining with that idea is wrong. This is not an invitation to start judging people that live alternative lifestyles or do different than you do because your sin is no different in God's eyes than theirs is. This is not an invitation to bash people or be evil or be unloving. In fact, this has nothing to do with what you project outwardly towards other people. It has to do with what you partner with. It has to do with what you advertise. It has to do with what banner you put up over your head. Okay. And I, I have family members that I love very much that live alternative lifestyles. I spend time with them. I love them. If they need help, I help them. And I don't fight with them over the way that they have chosen to live their life. But I ain't going to partner with it. I ain't going to a parade to celebrate their choices and their lifestyle. Do you see the subtle difference? Okay. It's, it's not about being uh, mean-spirited or judgmental. That is not what our God has called us to be. But as for me and my house, I'm not called to judge you and what you do in your house. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Why? Because the word of God said it. God created two genders, male and female. Why? Because the word of God said it. 
Now, let me, let, me, let, me, let me press this a little bit. I'm taking too much time with this. Let me press this a little bit. Let me press this a little bit. When I sin, sin is, is doing anything that is contrary to the commandments of Scripture, okay? But the healthy response to sin is shame. If you go back to the first mention of sin, when God created Adam and Eve and they sinned, the first thing they did was they ran and they hid themselves. That's a proper response to sin. Not pride, shame. Because you know you have violated the purpose for which you were created and you know you have offended your creator. Okay. So in, in, a, in a pure heart where there's no rebellion, the proper response when you sin is shame, okay? A rebellious heart, however, will take their sin and will begin to flaunt it, begin to display it, and begin to laud and applaud it. And when that is done, regardless of which particular sin that is done in, when that is done by a child of God, or when that behavior is partnered with and praised by a child of God, suddenly, destruction. So in this first part of the message, and I risked ruining the message, but I have to give it to you to be a good pastor. Do not partner with things that God has called evil. Love the person, but hate the sin. Okay? Don't partner with it. Don't partner with it. Don't, don't put that brand over your life. You know it's possible to do something and not be what you do? It, it's possible to, to be in a, in a season and in a time and in a place where you do things that are out of your character, where you do things that are outside of what God's purpose and will for your destiny is. But why would you ever identify yourself and name yourself after something you've done? There's a difference in the things you have done and who you are. Number two, finally. Next time suddenly is mentioned in reference to God, suddenly, rhema word. Everybody say, rhema word. Now, I'm just going to note, I'm just going to cite this scripture. You can go back and read it for yourself if you want. In Numbers 12, 1 through 4, Pastor Moses, the greatest pastor of the Old Testament, ran into a problem. His main leadership structure, his main team, happened to be his sister Miriam and his little brother Aaron. And sometimes working with family can be dangerous. And um, so, so Moses, he's, he's, he's moving and, and, he, and he's doing some amazing things. If you read the account of Moses' story in his life, uh, he, he was just the greatest. Jesus called him the greatest in the Old Testament. Uh, but, but, he marries an Ethiopian woman. You can see that at the bottom. And, and she was outside of his race. 
Her skin was a different color than his. And you know, racism uh, isn't a new thing. Racism is not an American thing. Racism is a, is a demonic uh, virus that has attached uh, human beings, some human beings. And uh, Moses' sister, Miriam, and his brother, Aaron, were going around the camp spreading their racist views to the congregation as if Moses was somehow less of a leader because he married someone outside of his race. God has never said anything of the like. God has never established anything of the like. But it's just like religious people to try to in, 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 the, in the last point, we were looking at people who were violating things God did say. But isn't it crazy how people will violate the things God did say, and then they'll make uh, mountains, and they'll, they'll make uh, firm stands, they'll make principled uh, stances and decisions over things God never did say. And, and so... And so Miriam and Aaron, they're poisoning the whole camp against Moses, you know? God ain't speaking to him anymore. He messed it all up when he married that Ethiopian. And by doing this, they met with all the elders of the camp. They met with all the influencers of the camp, you know? And, and what it did was it robbed Moses of his voice. Because the issue was so personal, Moses cannot get up and defend himself. And so in the scripture, God comes down in verse four. Look, look at verse four. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and to Miriam, come to the tabernacle of meeting. And God himself with a rhema word, this wasn't a 10 commandments. This wasn't in the law. This wasn't a written word. This was a rhema word that God spoke out loud where they could hear audibly in their ears. And God started talking to them about Moses. He's, he's, he begins to say to them, you know, he, and, and the, on this other account that he said, it's so amazing to me. God said where all the people could hear, God said in, to other prophets I have spoken to in dreams and in visions. To Moses, I speak face to face. In other words, Miriam and Aaron, you didn't elect Moses. You didn't vote him in. I chose him to be a mouthpiece for me to my people. And because you did not vote him in, you cannot vote him out. And I'm going to slap you with leprosy right now. And you're going to have to go and ask him to pray for you if you want it to be removed. You're going to have to go to the one you talked about, gossiped about, and you dogged and ask him to pray for you because I ain't even hearing your prayers. That, oh, hallelujah. That was a suddenly rhema word. What's so beautiful about it is Moses didn't pray and ask God to speak for him. Moses wasn't seeking the face of God saying, God, I'm in a mess. I need your help. God just noticed what he was going through. God noticed he was being victimized by two small-minded racist bigots. And God came down in the middle of it and broke the whole thing up with a rhema word. Now listen to me. God's word comes in two categories. 
One is the Logos, the written word of God, that God, by the Holy Spirit, moved upon chosen people to write his word. They weren't writing their words like almost like a person in an office may take dictation down and write the words of another as they speak it. The Logos is God's word written by chosen people on God's authority. But then number two is the rhema word. That there are some times where God will break into your situation and speak a word for the right now, for this moment, for this season, for this circumstance. He will break into your life suddenly with a rhema word. And I came to announce prophetically to somebody, keep your ears open. Because God is about to send a rhema word to your life. A word to your circumstance. A word to your specific problem, a word to your trouble, a word for your family, a rhema word for your children. God still sends a rhema word. Push somebody and say, God's going to send the word. Number three, suddenly anointing. I want you to say this with me like you had four shots of espresso. Suddenly anointing. Second Chronicles 29.3, this is the account uh, when Hezekiah rebuilt the temple of the Lord. It had not been uh, opened. The king before him did not believe in God, did not honor God. So the temple was in a, a state of disrepair. It was broken down. And in Second Chronicles, if you could put that reference up there, please. Second Chronicle, Chronicles 29, verse 3, please. And I got to wait on y'all because I, I want everyone to see it. Look at this. In the first year of his reign, the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Okay, I love the order of this. He's got a lot of work to do. He's got to repair the temple. He's got to reinstitute temple worship. But the Bible says he didn't repair them first and then open them. He opened them and then repaired them. That's a word for somebody. The scripture goes on to say, when he opened them, God sent an anointing. What is an anointing? It's an empowerment from God to do what you're doing. It's an enablement from God to do what you're doing. So he opened them and then repaired them. So I speak this prophetically to you. Some of you are staring at doors of opportunity, but you haven't opened it yet because there's some maintenance, there's some repair, there's some fixing that needs to be done. There's some things in your credit that you feel like you need to fix. There's some things on your team that you feel like you need to fix. There's some stuff in your life that you feel like you need to fix before you open the door. Do not do it that way because if you wait to walk through doors of opportunity until everything is fixed, you will be waiting for the rest of your life. Follow the Hezekiah model. Open the door and fix it as you go. I feel that for somebody. I don't know where you are in this church, but open the door and then fix it as you go. I'm going to say it again. Open the door. Oh, hallelujah. And fix it as you go. I got to say it one more time. Open the door and then fix it as you go. Push somebody and say, fix it as you go. Now go to 2 Chronicles 29, 36. 2 Chronicles 29, 36. Look at what happened as a result of him opening and fixing as he goes. The Bible says, And Hezekiah rejoiced and all of the people that God had prepared the people. That word prepared in the Hebrew means 
He anointed them to the point that they were bright and shining. God had prepared the people for the thing was done. You missed it. They rejoiced. God prepared them and the thing was done suddenly. Now, replace Hezekiah there. We're going to read this scripture. All We're going to read it all out loud. But replace Hezekiah's name with your name, whatever your name is. Raise up your right hand and read with me and put your name there. And Jason rejoiced and all the people that God had prepared the people for the thing was done. I'm telling you, a suddenly move of God is about to invade your life. I don't know where you're sitting. I don't know what you're going through. But something you weren't expecting, something you weren't planning on, something you didn't even know was going to happen, something is coming suddenly to your life. Clap your hands and give God praise. I will rejoice in a suddenly anointing. I will rejoice in a suddenly anointing. I will rejoice, say it, in a suddenly anointing. A suddenly anointing healed the woman with the issue of blood. A suddenly anointing fed 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish. A suddenly anointing caused Lazarus to get up out of the grave. A suddenly anointing turned water into wine. You will walk with God and you will see a suddenly anointing in your life. Number four. I like this one. God will wound your enemy suddenly. God will wound your enemy suddenly. We talk a lot about how the devil attacks. We talk a lot about how Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. We never talk about how God attacks the enemy. God will wound your enemy suddenly. Pastor, that's not in the Bible. Yes, it is. I'm about to show you. Well, Jesus said to pray for your enemies. He said to pray for them because of what God's going to do to them. He said, vengeance is mine. I will repay God is going to wound your enemy suddenly. Pastor, I'm going to need some Bible for that. Go to Psalm 64, 1 through 7. Read it with me. Psalm 64, 1 through 7. In fact, I'm going to go there in mine just, just so I can get it ready. Psalm 64, 1 through 7. David is talking here. He says, hear my voice, O God, in my meditation. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. In other words, the enemy is attacking me, and the attack has gotten so great, I feel like it may take my very life. So he says, save my life. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked. You ever had somebody plot against you? From the rebellion of the workers of iniquity who sharpen their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, which are their bitter words that they may shoot in secret at the blameless. Suddenly, 
They shoot at him and do not fear. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. Talk of laying snares secretly. And they say, who will see them? They devise iniquities. They say, we have perfected a shrewd scheme. Both the inward thought and the heart of man are deep. But God... Oh, I don't know who that word's for, but you can read it right up there on that screen. What's it say? It says, but God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly they shall be wounded. To those of you who have been wounded by the kingdom of darkness, God is about to shoot the enemy suddenly. They thought they had you. They made their plans, they set their traps, they formed their lies, they set up their scandal, but they forgot that God fights for his children. They forgot that God defends his people. They forgot that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers out of them all. So I have an announcement to the enemy. Feel the pain, enemy. Feel the wound, enemy. For every tear you made me cry, for every night you robbed my sleep, for every day you took my peace, feel the pain enemy from the arrows of God. God will wound your enemy suddenly. Number five, sudden revelation. Suddenly a revelation is coming. Acts chapter 9 verse 3, the apostle Paul still going by Saul at this point is on his way to kill some more Christians. And on the road to Damascus, the Bible says, suddenly a great light shone around him from heaven. Light in the scripture is always a type of revelation knowledge from the Lord. There is a sudden light of revelation knowledge coming to the families of this church. I prophesy it in the name of Jesus. There is a sudden light of revelation knowledge coming to the families of this church. Now, revelation knowledge will bring an understanding of many things in the scripture, but first, the first thing revelation knowledge brings is a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. Because after that light shone in verse 5, Acts chapter 9, verse 5, the Bible says he was, he was wondering, who, who is it? You know, who, who knocked me off of my beast? Who, who is it? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And the Lord Jesus began to reveal the backward ways that Paul had been operating in. And he did it through a great light of revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge is coming to this church. I speak to the air now and to my region now. Revelation knowledge is coming to this region. Where at times past, this may have been in the places surrounding here, a darkened region. I speak light into the region right now in the name of Jesus. Revelation knowledge that first brings an understanding, a deeper understanding of who Jesus is. 
but next it brings that you don't have to waste your life. You don't have to throw your life away on drugs. You don't have to throw your life away in crime. You don't have to throw your life away on a dead-end job. I speak revelation, knowledge, and light into this community that people around here will begin to rise. I speak to businesses in this community to begin to give opportunities and begin to cause people to rise. Even in the midst of economic crisis and in recession in some places, I speak that this community will prosper and rise because of revelation knowledge given by the Lord. I speak that your family will prosper and will begin to rise. That revelation knowledge of who Jesus is and revelation knowledge of the promises of God will begin to take root in your spirit and manifest in your life. That you will rise in your life. That everything holding you down and restricting you would be broken. Revelation knowledge breaks spiritual blindness. Revelation knowledge causes the scales to fall off of your eyes. The things you haven't been able to understand. The things you haven't been able to flow in. The rivers that you haven't been able to get in because of lack of knowledge. Those things are being healed in you and revelation knowledge is going to come to you suddenly in the name of Jesus. Put your hands on your eyes and say I receive it now. Revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge. Say it. Revelation knowledge. In the name of Jesus. I command you to see what you couldn't see before. I command you to see what you could not see before. This is important because some of you have been praying for blessings that have already been provided. You just don't realize it because you haven't seen it. It's standing right in front of you. You just haven't been able to see it. God has done his part in the provision. Now you need him to send health to your eyes through revelation knowledge so you can see and operate in what has already been provided. You are standing in a stronger place than you think you are. You're standing in a better place than you think you are. All you need is for revelation knowledge to hit you and you can begin to walk in what God has already established and provided in your life. Holler revelation knowledge. So I command you to see, I command you to see Jesus like you've never seen him before. I command you to see your spouse like you've never seen them before. I command you to see your children like you've never seen them before. Some of y'all are married to straight up gifts from God, but you don't realize it. You need a revelation. Some of you have princes and princesses in your house, but you don't see them that way because you need a revelation. I command you to see your household. I command you to see your vocation. I command you to see your standing and your position. I command you to see your life in a new way, in the light of revelation knowledge, and it's going to happen for you suddenly. Push somebody and say suddenly. No, you didn't push them. Push them and say suddenly. Number six, suddenly open doors. Hallelujah. Suddenly open doors. Thank you, Jesus. Suddenly open doors. Acts chapter 16, 25 and 26. Go to it. Acts chapter 16, 25 and 26. Say suddenly open doors. Paul and Silas had been ministering in Philippi. They had been serving their kingdom mandate and assignment. 
and for obeying God and going to preach to people and casting demons out and setting people free, they got arrested, beaten, persecuted, and thrown in jail. They weren't just thrown behind bars. While they were behind bars, they were also shackled. How many know that's enough to depress a preacher? But the Bible says in verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Look at their response to being beaten, arrested, persecuted, and thrown in jail. At midnight, they were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26 Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison, the foundations were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. I was preaching Jesus, praying for sick people, casting out demons, doing the work of the ministry, obeying the commandment of the Great Commission and following the gospel model and method. And you came and you beat me up. You shackled me. You mocked me and persecuted me and reviled me. And then you threw me in jail. When you suffer as a child of God, you afford yourself a great opportunity. Listen, listen. But the opportunity hinges and depends on your response. The Bible says God always responds. To suffering. So, so watch. If you go through suffering and you cry about it, <laughs> it hurts so bad. Why me? You go through suffering and you cry about it, God will comfort you. He is near the brokenhearted broken and contrite spirit, he will never refuse. A bruised, a bruised reed, he'll never reject or cast away. If you're suffering and you cry about it, God will comfort you. If you're suffering and you complain about it, God will counsel you. You remember Job when he started complaining? And God came down and started to counsel with him. You remember, you remember Elijah when he was suffering, he went into the cave and God came down and started counseling him. Okay, If you suffer and complain, God will counsel you. But if you have the nerve of faith to be suffering and yet respond with praise, 
God will come down and shake the foundation of any system that's trying to hold you and restrict you. And he will send a breakthrough to make you go free. Praise, praise is always powerful and God is always worthy. But praise when you're suffering creates seismic shockwaves in the spirit realm. Now listen, listen. Praise when you're hurting so bad that you don't feel like praising. And you praise anyway only by faith because you know the Lord is good. It sends out a shockwave and a reverberation in the spirit realm. And the Bible says the foundations of the prison were shaken by an earthquake. I submit to you that the earthquake in the natural was a result of the earthquake in the spirit that was unleashed by Paul and Silas having the nerve to praise in a hard place. Have you ever praised in a hard place? Have you ever praised when you felt like complaining? Have you ever praised when you felt like crying? Have you ever praised when you felt like quitting? If you have, then you are a witness and you can join me in testifying today that when you praise God in a hard place, when you praise God in a tough place, when you praise God in a restricted place, when you praise God with bruises on your body and, and wounds in your heart and depression in your spirit, but praising anyway, God. God will always send. And I love what the scripture said. It said, and all the doors were opened and all the prisoners were set free. All the prisoners weren't praising. But they got the benefits of Paul and Silas' praise. That's why when you come to church and pick your row, you need to try to make sure there's at least one praiser on your row. Because you can get some, some leftover benefits, some overflow benefits, if you got the nerve to sit next to a real praiser. There's some real praisers in each section. You might get close to one of them and have your bands go loose, have your restrictions broken. I prophesy open doors in your life. I prophesy the removal of restriction. I prophesy breakthrough in the name of Jesus. I need every real praiser to get on your feet. Throw your head back. Lift a shout unto God and give him praise in the house. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Praise him for yourself or praise him for your daughter. Praise him for yourself or praise him for your son. Praise him for yourself or praise him for your sister. Praise him for yourself. Oh, yes. That door, that door will open. That door will open for some of the financial.
financial door. For some, it's a door of promotion. For some, it's a door of opportunity. For some of it's a door that you've been dreaming about a long time. But whatever that locked thing in front of you is, whatever that thing being held up is, whatever that thing restricting you is, I speak right now in the name of Jesus that that door will open. Help me preach to somebody. Grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor. No, preach with me. Say, neighbor. That door. Drag it out. Say, that door will open. Now put your hands together and give him one more praise. One more shout. One more hallelujah. One more thank you. One more dance. job you don't qualify for that door will open the door of that relationship you need in order to get to the next level that door will open the door of you finishing your education against all odds that door will open the door of that relationship being mended in your family they've been holding it a long time there's been a grudge for a long time there's been a locked door for a long time there have been restriction for a long time but that door will open that door will open and let me And let me tell you how it's going to open. It's going to open suddenly. Quickly and unexpectedly. That problem with your 14-year-old son, you're in this room right now, your son is in crisis. He's 14. That problem with your 14-year-old son, God's going to move it suddenly. 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 That which was held back from you will be released to you, and it will happen suddenly. Number seven. Number seven. Suddenly, the sound of breakthrough. You just sat down. You're going to be so mad at me. Stand up. I'm done. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place in one accord. And suddenly, a sound came from heaven. Listen, anything having to do with God, he'll always let you hear it before you see it. The text describing Pentecost 
it does talk about some visual cues that God gave them and some visual aid that God gave them. Some things they could see. Cloven tongues that looked like flames of fire set upon each of them. But before they ever saw the fire, before they ever saw the manifestation with their eyes, they heard a sound. God will order your steps to a church like Christian world on a Pentecost Sunday when you don't even feel like going, you don't even want to be there so that you can hear something before you see it. I prophesied some things to you today so that the model of God's plan could be worked through in your life because he has to let you hear it before you see it. He has to let you hear it before you see it. When Elijah the prophet was about to end a drought, he had his servant go and looking for clouds because he said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. When he heard the sound, there was not a cloud in the sky, but the clouds came and it flooded because God will always let you hear it before he lets you see it. You came here today because your father in heaven wanted you to hear about some things that's going to take place in your life. So I pray that every word of the suddenly movement of God will settle deep within your spirit, that it will begin to bear fruit in your life, and that you will begin to see with your eyes the things you have heard with your ears today. That the movement of God, the activity of God, the rhema word from God, the instruction from God, the strategy from God, the things that God has stored up for you, that you begin to see them because you've heard about them today. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Give him one more great praise. Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost means 50 days. Everybody say 50 days. 50 days after the Passover. In the Old Testament, after the Passover in Egypt, the fire of God came down on Mount Sinai and the people were given the law. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ was crucified during the Passover. 50 days later, the Holy Spirit, the fire of God came down again. This time, it was not the law that was given. This time, it was not us in the presence of God. It was the presence of God in us. This time, it was not God moving on us. It was God moving in us through and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I invite you to raise your hands right now and say, Holy Spirit, I ask you to move in my life. I invite you in. Fill me. Lead me. And guide me. In Jesus' name. I would like to challenge our church like we do every year to join us in a Pentecost offering. It means 50 days, and we give a very simple offering, a $50 offering to honor God during the Feast of Pentecost. If I've said some things today that, that hit your spirit and you feel that God led you here to say something to you so you could hear it before you see it, I want to challenge you, even if you're not a member of this church, I want to challenge you to partner with us in this offering. Some amazing things happen when we sow seed into the kingdom of God. Lots of wonderful things are going on at the church. The community is being blessed. We're 
we're launching into a building program. I'm going to be sending all of you some invites to our groundbreaking service where we break the ground as we prepare to put this building up. And I have seen and heard over the last week or so, so many testimonies of people who have sowed seed into the kingdom of God, uh, receiving unexpected and unusual blessings. Brother Larry uh, texted us and Pastor Mary uh, talked to us this morning and and it's just been an unusual time of God's favor and God's blessing. You, you said you, you said Michael got uh, you got ten thousand. Well, but it didn't, it didn't come like ten thousand for a form that was forgotten about that wasn't filled out that came unexpectedly, and then what? And twenty thousand unexpectedly in their tax refund. Just a $30,000 miracle. Pa Pastor, Mary, Pastor Mary found out on the internet of all places uh, where the, these websites you can go to see if anybody owes you money or found money or that you've inherited money. And, and she got an unexpected inheritance and, and several other blessings. And, and uh, Larry got an incredible blessing. And... Um, it's just a, an atmosphere and a time and a moment of that. And if yours hasn't hit yet, the fact that it's hitting other people is a sign that you're next. So to those of you that have supported our building, back when we did Resurrection Seed, thank you. And we're going to we're going to send you an, a special invite to our groundbreaking service. Those of you that support our work in the community through your tithes and your offerings, thank you. But today I want to challenge even those of you that don't normally give. There is something supernatural on this Pentecost seed, this $50 seed. And I want to challenge you to take a step of faith and get a $50 seed in your hand and sow it into the fertile soil of Pentecost. I believe God is going to move and respond to it in such a unique way. And I believe you're going to be blessed. So if you're giving on your phone or if you're giving with an envelope or if you're giving online, let's lift up our hearts toward the Lord as we prepare to sow in faith. Father, you see every person. Some of them are in challenging times. For some of them, this is extremely sacrificial. But Lord, your fire always falls on sacrifice. You always respond to us when we respond to you in faith. And Father, I pray for every person giving a Pentecost offering of $50 today. I pray for every single person that is stretching their faith towards you in this offering. And Lord, I speak open doors over their life. I speak breakthrough over their life. I speak blessing over their life. I speak the return of what was lost to them. I speak that over their life. And I speak great strength to their family, to their health. And Lord, take their purpose to the forefront of their mind. Take why you created them to the forefront of their mind and lead them and guide them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can come and give your seed. We love you so much. We hope to see you Wednesday night. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. And go in the goodness and the blessing of God. Amen.